Hello and welcome to Unbiased. I'm your host, Michael Hairston. I greatly appreciate you tuning in today. There are a lot of things vying for your attention and time, yet you chose to spend a few minutes listening to the words of wisdom and experience that I want to share today, and I do not take that for granted. So let's get into today's topic as we talk about things that can help empower your decisions and spark your conversation concerning personal finance. Welcome, everybody. I appreciate you guys joining the podcast again today. Uh, I've got a very special guest that's going to join us today. His name is Dr. Ramsey Smith. Mr. Smith, how you doing, my man? I'm doing great. How are you doing today, Michael? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for uh, joining us. I know your schedule is super busy, but thanks for joining us and having a conversation with us today. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm looking looking forward to it. I am too. I am too. So uh, Dr. Ramsey Smith is the managing director of Go Innovations. And I wanted him to be a part of the conversation that uh, and participate in the conversation we've been having about side hustles. And while we've been talking about side hustles for those people who are working nine to fives and looking to start uh, something on the side to either supplement income or to fulfill a passion that they have with uh, with their business or this conversation today is also for entrepreneurs who have launched a practice and they're looking to continue to keep growing their practice and, and they're looking to uh, looking for advice as how best to proceed. Uh, Dr. Smith, and we'll just call him Ramsey. I mean, Ramsey is an excellent resource. I've known him for a little while now uh, through Go Innovations. They do some fantastic work and his story is just amazing. One, how he got into what he's currently doing and being the managing director of, of Go Innovations and then obviously what his company is currently doing, which they spend a lot of time working with startups and helping to connect them with angel investors and growing their practice. So with that being said, I want to get into the conversation because it's not about me, it's about Mr. Smith, and we want to hear what, what he's got to say. So Ramsey, let, why don't you walk us through a little bit about your personal history and your career path? You know, I, I know how you started and where you came from and how you started. Why don't you explain to everybody kind of what you did and what your how your career started and then how you morphed into where you are today? Well, Michael, um, I'm originally from Detroit, Michigan, and always had a passion and love for science. I did not have any aspirations to go into business, but like everyone should, you always keep your options open and pay attention to the changing landscape around you. Um, went to Morehouse College, majored in chemistry, graduated from there, moved up to D.C., went to Howard University for graduate school. Uh, obtained my PhD from chemistry um, in chemistry from Howard. Stayed in the DC area because my passion at the time was atmospheric science, atmospheric chemistry, uh, physical chemistry. Did a postdoctoral fellowship at NASA. Worked there as a planetary and earth scientist. Transitioned from the laboratory doing R&D, research and development, and research and analysis instrument development to what some people call the dark side of um, of the business, which was um, program management. Really, it's like a science administration, technology administration, innovation management. Um, I managed a, a program that is very unique to the U.S. government called um, SBIR, STTR, Small Business Innovation Research, Small Business Technology Transfer. It's not really known as much as it should be among innovators. It is a way for the government to invest in your, your company. It's a seed fund and it does not take 
equity. So it, it funds your research, but it doesn't take equity. Now it is highly competitive. There are a lot of innovators and a lot of small businesses, small business defined as under 500 people who take advantage of this program. But as, as a former program manager for NASA Goddard Space Flight Center's SBIR and STTR program, we always knew the numbers could be higher. All Most SBIR and STTR managers knew the pro, um, numbers would be higher, and that's why they did outreach as much as they did, so they can get the best quality small businesses to participate, because it's a way for you to raise money, it's a way for you to develop technology for your organization and for the government to buy, or for other consumers to buy, and it helps fuel the American economy. While there, um, I was exposed more to the small business community. Um, I saw my value add at, in that role, and I also saw how my value could be added in other ways. While I was there, I was also working as a, as a consultant um, for a couple of uh, startups that were not related to the tech field. And my entrepreneurial itch started to get stronger and stronger. One of those was a clothing company. Um, there were some other startups uh, I was working with. I saw the success that those companies were having and by my involvement, I saw the, I saw how strategy is, was really key for companies to move forward. And some companies didn't move forward as fast as they should have because they didn't have the strategy component behind it from the beginning or they did not do the self-check-ins that you need to do in order to grow. So I started Go Innovations. I left NASA and started Go Innovation Agency. And we're a consultancy that works in the entrepreneurial space. So our end user is an entrepreneur, but our focus is on the health and sustainability of entrepreneurship, whether it's working whether we work directly for the entrepreneur themselves, whether we're deployed to an entrepreneur through a stakeholder, such as an accelerator or incubator, we have also worked with investors or serial entrepreneurs who are in, who partner with entrepreneurs to grow their own portfolio. That story is just amazing. Every time I, you know, like I said, I, I've had the privilege of knowing you and you telling me how you started at NASA and the work you were doing at NASA. First of all, you being at NASA, period, that that right there ought to blow everybody's socks off because, you know, it's, it's not like NASA's just hiring just anybody. So for, for you to get in to do your do work with NASA, but, you know, you started out your career not really thinking about business, but in the most unlikely place, which is working at NASA, is where you kind of got your entrepreneurial itch. Uh, and then what also was cool about your background is, you know, while at NASA, and I, I did not, when we first met and talked about this, I didn't realize that the government actually had um, a way to fund startups without taking equity. That's powerful within itself. You hear a lot about the government wanting to help businesses, and a lot of times you hear that through the SBA, but you don't hear about the government actually getting behind technology uh, startups and et cetera. You don't hear those stories too often. So that that's cool. But, uh, you know, so thanks for sharing your background. Thanks for sharing what happened, what, what led you to where you are with Go Innovations. Talk to me a little, talk to us a little bit more about your entrepreneurial itch that kind of hits you when you were kind of making that transition and thinking about making that transition. Like what kind of 
sparked it for you to say, you know what, this is something I like to do. And I can, I can see myself doing this for quite some time. One thing that sparked my um, entrepreneurial itch was the moment I realized that even though I didn't want to, I, I, my goal was not to become an entrepreneur, that I've always been doing what entrepreneurs do. Mm. And that's really the nature of a research scientist. Most research scientists and research engineers are entrepreneurs. They're funding their own efforts within a larger organization. And that translates well to running your own business. You have to keep, you have to keep track of your budget. You have to create a budget. You have to get people to buy into your idea. That's writing a proposal. That's how most research is funded. You have to write a proposal to get it funded. If you're an entrepreneur, you have to get your clients to buy into whatever product or service that you're selling. And so once I started seeing the connections between the two worlds and I saw the value added when I interacted with the entrepreneur community and also saw some gaps that were there. There was some language missing between the different lexicons that are used from the, the science and tech startup space, which is my specialty area, and the individuals who would fund that uh, researchers in that space. How to bridge that gap was has always been a disconnect. And so the, the greatest innovators weren't always funded. And they didn't know where to start because like me, they didn't start off their career even considering entrepreneurship. They realized that what they were working on could benefit society. And so they needed to move it from lab to market. And when you think, start thinking outside the box, start thinking beyond your four walls, and you start thinking about your community, when you start thinking about nationally, you start thinking about globally, um, you start to think about, it's not just about what you create, it's how it can benefit others. So for me, not just looking at lab to market, that limited me to science and technology. Sometimes I need to step out that realm and help other entrepreneurs how they can move from ideation to commercialization, how they can move something from an idea in their mind to the marketplace where someone can purchase it and benefit from it. The key, to, the key thing I like about what you said is understanding, I'm, I'm thinking about how to, how to explain this, your vision as a research analyst expanded beyond just you being a research analyst. Like a lot of times we get involved in things and we do things and we tend to stay within our little box, right? And you were a research analyst and we're good at being a research analyst, but you allowed yourself to expand your vision and be able to see where your skills can be used in other places. And thus that led you to being, to working with entrepreneurs. And, and to, to me, that's really dope right there because, and that's a testament for all of us as entrepreneurs, which sometimes you just can't get stuck in your little box. You have to think beyond and search for ways that your skills can be applied in new ways because it causes you to reinvent yourself. And then because you did that, then you were able to see an opportunity, which is to be that bridge between the research side and then the angel investor side or the investor side, because being an investor, 
no, I don't always understand the technology and I'm not a scientist. So if you explain it to me, you know, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I can, I, I'm, I'm smart enough to pick up on some of it, but depending upon the language that's used, I may not pick up on all of it and have a ton of questions, which can then frustrate the, <laughs> frustrate the, 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 the innovator, but the innovator on the other end may not all know all the business lingo and the financial terms that I may spit out. So you seeing that, Hey, there's that disconnect and then meeting that need. That's huge. Um, you know, so you know, when you think about where you are now and you doing what you're doing and you kind of acting as that bridge, if you will, between both of these worlds and, and your, and with go innovations and you're making, uh, transactions happen. When I say transactions happen, startups start to realize their vision and potential and they're seeing it come to market. And then obviously angel investors are coming and coming along and they're participating in deals that have viability. Let me ask you this, what in your business, what fires you up? What keeps you doing what you're currently doing right now? One thing that keeps me going is seeing a current or firm, former client succeeding because of work we've done together. Mm. And former client isn't a negative thing because our part of our business model is we want a company to be sustainable one thing that's left out of that is self-sustainability. They don't need to depend on us if we don't create a dependency on us. Now, you can come to us anytime and have what we call hustle alignment sessions uh, because our model is align your hustle. But sometimes you need to move on and go down the path your company has created for itself. And to see them succeed, survive, because 2020 was rough for a lot of people. Indeed. Majority of the companies that we worked with since we've uh, started in 2018 survived the pandemic. Wow. And the few that didn't, the few that are not open at this time, it's not due to, it's due to other circumstances not related to the pandemic. And it's not due to interactions we had, th other things happen. And so, and, and that's the nature of small business. And so that makes us, that gives us a huge sense of gratification. After engaging with us, our companies have a, a winning percentage in pitch competitions. And, and, that's, and that's huge for some of them. They have winning percentage in terms of getting into accelerators to grow, to accelerate and grow their business, get exposure to investors. Yes, we can help them with research and development strategy, how to protect their intellectual property, but there are, there are so many nuances to being an entrepreneur. There are so many nuances to attracting, networking, cultivating investors, navigating that space. Also exposure, exposure to competitors, exposure to partners, exposure to the ecosystem that you plan to thrive in that Sometimes accelerators may be the route for you to go. It's a good way to bring capital into your organization, but that's something you always need to research for yourself. And planning and preparation is key. And that's one of the reasons why companies we've worked with have done well in that space. It's always good when you have a client that you're working with, or you have somebody, I won't say a client, but you have somebody that you're working with that you can see their success starts to unfold. So I can definitely identify with, you know, the fact that that does keep you fired up. 
um, and, and keeps you going and keeps you doing and keeps you searching and innovating when you see other people succeed. So, you know, in your business, you said some, just in the last few minutes, you said some key words, which is strategy, planning, uh, forecasting, researching, uh, which I, I would expect you to say those words because you're a researcher at heart. But, you know, something that you said earlier, I want to bring you back to as we start to talk a little, a little bit more about your business model and you helping startups is that, you know, one of the key things that you've seen as to why businesses fall apart is strategy. So can you talk about that a little bit more and, and how go, what does Go Innovation do to really help these startups so that they can be successful, particularly from a strategic standpoint? And, and why is strategy so important for future success? Strategy is huge for future success. And <clears throat> one critical element about strategy is setting goals, collecting data, and reevaluating your purpose. Mm. You got to say that again, so, man. <laughs> you got to say that again. Setting goals, collecting data, and reevaluating your purpose. And I'm going to add another one because to me, this was huge last year for a lot of businesses. Be open to being wrong, be willing to pivot. If you did something that's not right, stop, you know, collect yourself, evaluate. Sometimes you might need to take a moment to get over yourself and then pivot in a different direction. That's where the collecting the data comes in. That's where setting goals come in, setting goals that are measurable. And that's where, you know, reevaluating your purpose. What, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? Does this community even care anymore that we're doing this? If they don't, their priorities may have changed. Then you may need to shift. I mean, if you're not to, you know, dive into a, a industry that I'm not familiar with, but I, I did used to work at McDonald's a long time ago. So maybe <laughs> I can, I feel okay saying this. I'm old enough to remember when McDonald's did not sell chicken. Right. Me and you both. I remember that as well. They did not sell chicken, <laughs> but they had to pivot because there was a growing need of individuals who wanted to dine at a fast food restaurant who did not eat beef or could not eat beef and the chicken nuggets became a big thing at McDonald's. Mm. So sometimes in your business, you need to look at, are you going to dig your heels in the sand and say, I'm still not going to do X, Y, and Z because that's not what we do? Or do you want to embrace, well, how can I potentially incorporate this in a way that is sustainable for my business and also pleases my customers without being performative? Mm. That may be your pivot. And that's huge right there. When you think about the last piece, which is this pivot, because again, it's about not operating in the same box, right? You know, you this right. this is is it's kind of like uh, there was an old commercial that used to be on TV about this guy. Um, I think it was a Dunkin' Donuts commercial. Where this guy would, would uh, wake up every morning, wake up every morning, and he the first thing he says when he wakes up, time to make the donuts, and he would do that like every single day, and it was monotonous. But a lot of times, if you're not careful about what you do you get so tied in and wrapped into what you do, whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you work a nine to five, you get so wrapped into what you do because you might, and you might be very good at it, but you don't think, take the second to think, okay, again, how can my skills be applied in something else? Or what is, or, or ask yourself, are there opportunities out there that I might be missing that reevaluating, as you mentioned, because you can't pivot if you don't reevaluate. 
all of that is just key to having a and developing a sound strategy. I mean, so that was that was powerful right there, man. That 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 was powerful. So, um, you know, as you're working with these startups and you're talking them through, um, you know, how to set goals, how to collect data, reevaluating and making their their pivots. What are some things that you guys will sit down and talk to a business about that you find to be very, very critical as they're thinking about either starting their business at the time that they launched their business or even after they launched. Like, you know, when you sit down and you talk to these startups, because everybody has wild dreams and ambitions about what they want to do with these startups, that is, what are some things that you coach them on before launch, at the time that they launch, and even after launch? Now, that's a very good question. So we try to approach our clients with, you know, humility and respect. Because a lot of times our clients have advanced degrees, masters, PhDs, JDs, um, MDs, et cetera. So they've come to us with a thorough, thoroughly thought out plan. And so it's usually a conversation. And a lot of times, you know, the things that I shared on their successes, sometimes it's just us taking things off of their plate and having strategy sessions where we're talking through things that they're working on and it unlocks things that are already existing in their mind. They've thought through most of this stuff. It's just how do you execute and how do you map that to something that you need to do? So if they come to us where they've already left out on faith, started their business, then we try to figure out where they are, where do they wanna go, what are their pain points, because they had to bring us in for a reason. And how can we help remove some barriers to get you where you need to be? Or how can we help you align what you have going on? And that's really what we try to do. We try to align because a lot of the pieces are there. We're, we're aligning so you can work as efficiently as possible. If they haven't launched, if they're still working a nine to five, they may plan to stay with their nine to five until, or if their business ever gets to a place where it's sustainable. At that point, I want that person or those individuals to be open to have some very hard conversations because they're transitioning from nine to five mentality to an entrepreneur mentality. Let's talk about how are you going to finance this? Let's talk about the cost benefit analysis of starting this business. Are you starting this business because you're trying to grow it and make money or are you trying to monetize a hobby? It's okay to monetize a hobby. It's actually a good thing because you're not paying for stuff out of your pocket. But you need to approach that a different way than you are if you're trying to build and grow a business. And we want to manage our expectations in terms of what you expect from us and how should we deliver. And if you're going to fund this company, because most banks aren't going to get just, you know, you say, hey, I want to start a business doing building specialized drones. You know, they're not going to say, oh, you know, here, Here's $100,000, go have fun. You probably don't even want that $100,000 because it's a loan and you have to pay it back. So how are you gonna fund this out of your pocket and still manage your household expenses? Have you drafted a plan for that? If so, when does that runway run out? When do you plan to be profitable? You don't have to tell me, but do you know what your credit score is? Mm. And can you use credit to start to get the ball rolling. If not, you may need to take the next six months, plan out your business, and we could just work with you one or two times or however many times to get 
that plan in order, build up your credit, pay down some debt. That way you're not trying to start a business, pay down debt, trying to fund the business because now you've added an extra liability into your life. And do you have children? Are you married? Or have a significant other that you plan to marry? Um, because if they plan to marry them, that's an extra expense that comes up. I mean, I don't, not trying to take away the romantic aspect, but you know, if you're if you're the person in a relationship who's going to buy the engagement ring, those are expenses. Mm-hmm. Expensive. If you're going to have a wedding, and I know I'm thinking pre-COVID here, but let's just you know add some normalcy to life for a moment. Those are not you know inexpensive. This isn't you know. 30 years ago where most people go to the VFW and have somebody cater. Right, right, right. So, you know, the cost of weddings have gone up. So it's all these things you need to consider. How old is your car? It's going to break down soon. Student loans, mortgage. I mean, it's, it can sound daunting, but it doesn't have to be if you just take a breath, take a step back and start planning. You can say, you know what? I'm going to launch this business in 2022 second quarter. Here are my actionable items to get from April, the beginning of the second quarter of 2021, to sometime in the second quarter of 2022. I need to tackle these items. And you lay them out. That's before they launch. Um, At the time of launch, we definitely want them to have set goals. Understand what you are good at or what your organization is good at. And understand what you may need to offload or off or outsource you know if you don't have an accounting background i may strongly suggest that you do not use excel to manage your finances you may need to hire an accountant or at the very least get an accounting software where you can keep track of your expenses and pull those profit loss statements etc so you can understand the financial health of your business at any given moment because if you did all those things pre-COVID, even if you were overwhelmed during COVID and stopped and got those things in order, when they had things that come up like PPP, the mm-hmm. Paycheck Protection Program, you could have filled out your application and be done without consulting anyone in an hour. Because all you're doing is going to your old taxes and pulling them down. You're going to whatever accounting software you use and pulling down the cert- these certain statements that they're asking for. Because it's already there. If not, it's an accounting nightmare trying to figure it out and it'll stress you out. You'd be like, it's not even worth it. Because then now you have to pay somebody to untangle all that mess or you're going to have to do it yourself. And that gets stressful and complicated. So understanding what you need to offload. And this, not to sound morbid, but every company, whether you're a service-based organization or if you sell products, have an exit or termination plan. That's nice right there. Have an exit termination plan. Do you plan to in five, you know, it's five, 10 years, I plan to sell my company to somebody larger or some organization that's larger. You know, termination plan, worst case scenario. You gotta have a worst case scenario. It's it's great to be positive, it's great to be optimistic. Keep being that way. But add this, it all I'm asking, add this layer of realism there. If it doesn't work out, how can you scale down where you're not just continuing to blow through cash? Where you just like, you have to reach a point where, all right, if the books start doing this for so many months in a row, I need to stop and walk away. Man. You can lose the business, but you don't need to lose your house right? if you don't have to. You know, I, I'm sitting up here on the edge of my seat as you're sitting here. You, you went through each one. 
I'm like, yes, yes, yes. No, but seriously, here's why I'm excited about all the different points that you mentioned from before you launch, which in summary, just taking, you know, taking financial inventory and knowing what you can, what is necessary to fund your venture, whatever that is. And that's a conversation you need to have before launching. I, I like how you lay it out, how deep you, you need to really go to figure this out. I mean, by looking at your total financial picture, but then also looking at, you know, what potentially might come down the pipe, you know, whether it's relationships or whatever, uh, you know, because all of that plays into the finances. And then at the time of launch, you got to set goals and be willing to offload, you know, things that don't, that, that are not core competencies for you so that you can focus on the business and see that it grow. And then at the, after you launch, make sure that you got alignment. You got to have alignment and make sure that you're, you're aligned, your, your goals are aligned to your strategy so that you get execution across the board. And as you were talking about all three of them, um, you, you know, all I can hear in the back of my mind is when you're sitting here talking to clients, what I preach to my own clients was that it's all about maximizing your wealth. So you're taking this money, you're putting it into a business or you're talking about investing money into a business you or growing a business. You want to maximize the opportunity and maximize the wealth. Therefore, you need to sit down and think strategically. You have to force yourself to think this way, including thinking about the exit plan, because we all, you know, we as business owners, you know, we always want to see our business be as as, as big as it, it can possibly be. And, and we want to think successfully and, we, and we're and we wired that way. And we want to push to be as successful as, as possible. I mean, no one invests in a business and, and, and starts a business with the idea of thinking I'm going to close my doors down tomorrow. But, you know, your point is very valid, Ramsey, in that you have to have an exit plan. Not just as not just an exit plan that says what if something happens as it, in, from a negative consequence, but also what if something happens from a good standpoint and somebody comes in and wants to buy, but you need to plan accordingly, because if you don't plan accordingly, then you won't be able to spot opportunities and then you'll miss opportunities. And when you miss opportunities, you miss the chance for your wealth to grow and reach its optimal standpoint. So yeah. yeah. Like I said, I was sitting on the edge of my chair, man, and just was like, yeah, this brother, th- th- I should just have, I should re- just stop doing a podcast from this point on, just have you doing from this point on, because everything you said was spot on and what we've been talking about regarding side hustles. Oh, no, I, I'm never going to take that uh, mantle away from you because you, <laughs> you, you're dropping, you're dropping a lot of gems uh, in your various episodes that I, I've listened to, and I've definitely talked back to the podcast, but you couldn't hear me. Uh, so thank you for doing what you're doing, for providing the deep level of insight in terms of understanding financial literacy, financial check-in, staying financially healthy. And you know, the side hustle and the side hustle series that you're doing is an overlooked aspect of staying financially healthy. And to be totally transparent here, it also is a, it, for a lot of people, it's created uh, pathways for terrible mental, physical, and spiritual health. I mean, because if this goes wrong, a lot of other things can go wrong too. And that's mm-hmm. what those hard conversations sometimes need to have. I mean, and I didn't mention this earlier, um, but one thing that we feel that we bring to the table usually is relatability with our clients. A lot of our clients, sometimes it's initially, sometimes it takes time, feel comfortable relating to us 
and we can have these tough conversations. For one, is got to be objective when engaging with others if you're in the service-based industry. Two, got to show compassion when dealing with others. Three, there's a way to evaluate, not be judgmental. Mm-hmm. That's not easy. And that's something we all need to strive to do better at. And that's something I know personally, I've taken it a mantle to evaluate and not be judgmental. And that's where this, you know, with the exit and termination plan, it's tough because you have to do that for yourself. You have to look at your company, decide, oh, successfully somebody could buy me out or what if we don't do well four quarters in a row? What are we going to do? You know, and it's... And- Developing an exit strategy is a tough call, you know, because it's kind of, it's just like investing, right? So, which essentially this is, this is what it is. It is investing. So if I'm investing in something, when do I hit my ceiling and what's when, and what's the floor? You got to determine what the ceiling and the floor is, because when you hit your floor, then you know that that's it. I can't go any lower. So I need to, to, to either do something else or cut this pivot, as you said earlier. But also we need to determine what our ceiling is, because when you invest, when you reach, you know, your investments go well, even in your side hustle, it goes extremely well. And you hit a ceiling point, not to say you can't break through the ceiling, but the ceiling is there to let you know, okay, you've reached a limit. Now, what do you want to do next? Do you, you you just can't keep hitting the same ceiling. You're going to have to get either the room remodel and raise the roof, raise the ceiling, or get another place with a higher ceiling. You're going to have to do something different, even when you're being successful. So that's why having this the exit plan, uh, the exit plan discussion, even from the onset when you're starting a business, and even while you're in the midst of the business, and and at the time that you launch and continue to keep having that and reevaluating that is important because it helps you understand the investment that's made, what's at risk, and then you know, it keeps you honest on, hey, when I reach each, either of these levels, the ceiling and the floor, then I know that I either need to cut bait and just call it quits, or I need to do something different to keep, keep the train going forward. You know, and and you are, you know, you're a hundred percent right. And I appreciate your transparency about that. We can cause ourselves a lot of physical stress, uh, just a lot of stress period, physical, emotional, uh, spiritually, uh, relationship wise, because of not having the exit plan strategy and not understanding what the ceiling and floor is. And then when things don't go the way we want to, our natural tendency is to, is to buckle down. Oh, shoot, I need to make this work. But we become so focused and stress ourselves out that we end up impacting other parts of our life. And all because of not having a good plan in place and know how to operate when things start to deviate and adjusting a plan because we never really had one in the first place. Thank you for tuning in today to this episode of Unbiased. I hope today's conversation empowered your decisions and sparked your conversation or maybe even sparked a different thought concerning your personal finances. And I greatly appreciate you again tuning in today. Feel free to reach out to me uh, via social media. My Twitter handle is Hairston, that's H-A-I-R-S-T-O-N underscore Mike. You can also find me on LinkedIn at Michael G. Hairston, MBA, or you can reach out to me via email at Michael at Alpha Financial, that's one word, dot com. Again, that's email is Michael 
at alphafinancial.com. Thank you very much, and I look forward to speaking to you again soon.